0: You're listening to Bloom and Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to another episode of Bloom and Tech, where we sift through the rubble of the collision of entertainment, media, and technology for a few shiny gems of abiding interest. I'm your host, David Bloom. Delighted to be back once again and hanging out with my cool peeps out there. Thanks to all of you for listening, and thanks to my sponsors for helping make all this possible. Today's conversation is somewhat in honor of today's Oscar ceremonies, which are unfolding in a few hours from now, several miles from where I'm recording this. I sat down this past week to talk with Mark Zirotti, the CEO for Cinemark Theaters. Cinemark is the third largest movie theater chain in the United States, with about 4,500 screens, and it's the largest theater chain in South and Central America with 1,500 more screens in 15 countries. I talked with Mark about their initiatives in virtual reality just days after they'd opened their second VR attraction inside of one of their theaters. This one involves an experience created by Spaces based on the Terminator movie franchise and is located in the San Francisco Bay Area. They previously opened another VR facility in the lobby of one of their theaters in the Dallas area near where the company is headquartered. VR is only one of the ventures that Zerati and Cinemark have embarked upon to expand their offerings in what has been a century-old, rather hidebound business. In our conversation, he also talked about their offerings in eSports through Super League Gaming, an eSports circuit in which they hold a small stake. They've also invested heavily in transforming their theaters, their concession offerings, their own large-format competitor to IMAX, and more. It's a fascinating challenge to watch Zerati. A long-time Disney executive who also worked at DreamWorks helped push the company forward into a much more complicated future while maintaining the company's solid financial record. Zarati has to balance that market-driven caution with the need for innovation and new customer experiences to make Cinemark grow and thrive. Even if he isn't sure how these new offerings will turn out, it's going to be fun to see how it unfolds. So give the conversation a listen after we hear from our sponsor. Well, thanks again from our sponsor for all their help and support. Here's my conversation with Mark Zarati, the CEO of Cinemark Theatres. So you've been there running Cinemark at a very interesting time in the exhibition business. What brought you there? You know, the it was
1: I was actually on the board of Rave, which owned about oh, yeah. 500 screens. After yeah. I left Disney, and then Rave was purchased by Cinemark. Okay. And so I uh, had known the Cinemark people pretty well over the years, dealing with them at Disney, and right. I came on I came on the Cinemark board after after Rave was acquired and then okay. uh that led one thing to the next and the ceo left and right. they asked if i would uh, be interested in in stepping into the role it was a, obviously a huge change for me to move from los angeles where i had lived the majority yeah. of my life and yeah. to to you know move from the studio side of the business and distribution side of the business to exhibition but it's been exhilarating and mm-hmm. as you said it's been a very exciting time to be here and the ability for us to adapt and change and make our theaters better and innovate and so um you know i'm i'm going to blink and it's, it will have been 4 years yeah that's crazy
0: huh i mean um i have long said the least well utilized real estate in america is in our our movie theaters because there's all this property and all this space and sixty uh, percent of the time, it's either closed or it's nobody's in there. And uh, it seems to me the challenge is how do you get it utilized more heavily, in lots of different ways. So, where are you going and what are you doing? I mean, the spaces thing. Let's talk about that to begin with, and then okay. go from there. Well,
1: look, we're we're trying we're trying we're, try, we're trying to figure that out. And mm. you know, the, the the basic things that have been going on for a while. Obviously, you're aware of what Fathom is and alternative yeah. content. So. So we're doing that and uh and then um, we said, you know look what else what else can we do and so we got hooked up with super league gaming a couple of years ago, and we mm. actually own a little minority share of super league gaming, and that's in theater video games for both uh, kids and young adults. so mm. you know we've got a super league gaming's got a whole um, almost like a sports league of kids playing Minecraft after school and then, and then, uh, and then for, you know, more teenagers, they're playing league of legends or, or clash Royale. Um, and they're doing it literally with teens. So we're, we've kind of been on the forefront of testing with them to see whether or not we can find a business model to, you know, roll it out and have it become more than just, you know, doing. You know thirty or forty or fifty of these at this at this stage, I think it's too early to predict that, and i you know whenever I talk to security analysts, I'm always careful for them not mm. to build into their model you know some giant revenue yeah. stream that's going to come through on this when we're right. still what I would call in the testing phase mm. and then most recently. So-
0: has right, been, before we before we leave, uh, lose that, just real quickly, uh, how long has that testing phase been going on at this point? Well, you know, it's been, it's been it's
1: been it's been happening for you know well over well over a year. We've we've increased the the, the number of um, originally it was only with little kids. When I say little mm-hmm. kids, call it twelve and under. You know, right. kind of your your soccer group, right?
0: The mine the Minecraft kids, yeah, the Minecraft
1: kids, and then that cool. got expanded into League of Legends and now Clash Royale where, you know, there are new, uh, uh, you know, new leagues that Super League Gaming has done. But yeah. is it at a point where I, I would say it's, um, can we go to scale with it? No, we're not there yet. But, you know, the first year was Minecraft. This, last year has been League of Legends and now a Clash Royale. But it's trying to find a model that um, can work for the participants, League of Legends, and also, you know, good for us as well.
0: Um, now, so, when you so so, are there actual gamers playing within the theater, and then it's projected on the screen, and they, they cut it back and forth between, say, the screen of one one player to another, or is it watching games that are like League of Legends tournament? No, or it's, going partici- else? it's participatory.
1: It's Liter- participatory. Right. Literally, you know, a a Super League gaming uh, team in Los Angeles in mm-hmm. one of our two of our theaters in Los Angeles can be playing somebody in Austin. Or playing somebody okay. in South Carolina, so it's participatory, and they they play as as teams in a league, and that's I think which, which, which is the exciting part about it is it's right. it's not just watching it's participatory. So you you go in there and every person has got a laptop opened up and they're playing, mm-hmm. and then what's on the screen is is almost like a summary scoreboard on the big screen, and, okay. and but. But each 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 uh, participant is actually playing.
0: It. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think esports is huge about it. I'm a gamer myself. I uh, have been uh, writing about the the business off and on for a very very long time, and you know, it's a, it's a really interesting space. It's uh, one of those 15 uh, year overnight successes, right? But but it is seeming to take off a lot now, and it does seem like that's an opportunity. So you're you're creating a space where people can come in, plug in. Uh play wi play over Wi-Fi with other people in the room and everywhere else in the universe and see what's going on. I mean, but you're saying it's it's theater in theater in LA versus theater in in Columbia, South Carolina, kind yeah, of. Yeah, and right. they, they literally have names.
1: I mean it's like the, the reason parents like it so much for the younger kids is it's literally getting the kids out of their bedroom into yeah, a right. social environment it's it's like a soccer league only it's a it's a it's a video games league sure and and so parents like it because and so we'll we'll have the you know half the auditorium or three quarters of the auditorium of kids and a quarter of the auditorium of parents who are there kind of watching what's going on so it's 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 actually quite interesting
0: that's a very interesting model i mean i think it's a It's another take on the way to do esports. It makes total sense to me. I know that uh, some of the places here in L.A. have done some of that. And, of course, you've got a, the big arenas for Blizzard and for League of Legends. I've been over there visiting them a couple a uh, couple months ago. And so there's there, there's the high-end, top-top guys. But there's plenty of people playing, tens of thousands, millions of people playing below that. And that's that's an audience that can bring in some people. Now uh, you said uh, early afternoon. Uh, it sounds like you're trying to make sure you do this like in off-peak hours. A lot of times oh, sure. where you've got some sure. opportunity. We're not, we're not we're not
1: doing it on Friday Saturday night. Yeah, you want to, you want yeah. to do it in the afternoon. Kids are out of school, but your your evening shows have not started. You know, it might be interesting for you in the coming weeks or months for you to interview Ann Hand, who's the CEO yeah. of Super League
0: Gaming. Yeah, absolutely. Be glad to do she, that. She, um,
1: she 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 really knows this space, and like I said. We don't have a big equity interest in it, but we have mm-hmm. a you know, we have enough to where we like the idea and we wanted to support the business,
0: so we bought a small equity interest in the company. Sure. Enough to keep your hand in, I get it. Yeah. And and have it's a strategic investment. I, I get yeah. that. Uh that makes total sense. And and I think it's good um as you look at where you go to have relationships into places like that to see what you can do with it. Um, so, then you were going to go from there to the other things you're getting into.
1: So, you know, the, another one that, that, that we got kind of excited about, and, and that was, you know, what's happening in the immersive virtual reality world. And the reason I yeah. say immersive is because what the void has done and what spaces have done really is a social immersive virtual reality world that takes you in. You know, um, mm-hmm. each one is a little bit unique. Their yeah. technology is equally amazing. And yeah. um, we've only been doing The Void uh, in one theater right here in Dallas, right next to our headquarters. Um, it's been very successful in the first four months. Uh, we've had a Star Wars adventure. We had um, a Wreck-It Ralph Breaks VR adventure based on the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We've got an upcoming adventure coming from Marvel. And so, you know, what's key is is renewed software to keep people coming back. And you get to do it with, you know, a total of four people. You can see, touch each other. You're, you know, completely in a social environment on a mission together as opposed to, you know, a solo VR experience. And I think that right. really does it. And then we built it out to where it very much feels like a, and I don't want to overstate it, but I think this is fair, a, a mini M-I-N-I theme park ride. You come in, you register, you go into, a, into like a little pre-show, then you go get all loaded up and booted up and that's exciting and fun. Then you do the adventure, then you come out. So it's like, you know, by the time you walk in and do everything you gotta do and walk out, it's a thirty min it's a thirty minute ex- uh, uh, uh adventure. And then we yeah. give people photos and online and and spaces is a unique one. That one's based on Terminator. That's only been open literally for seven days. I mean we uh, opened it. You uh, got
0: two places, right? Or just one?
1: Well, we have one for spaces in San Jose, California, um, okay. at our big Oak Ridge Theater. And uh, and then we've got um, the void in one in Dallas, Texas.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, um, so these are these are no, both new adventures for you guys, and these are standalone. Did you you all didn't convert one of your screens though to this? Correct. No, we
1: didn't. What what we thought was really important on this is to give it a real preeminence. So when you walk into either theater, you can't miss it. It's right there in the lobby. You know, yeah. it's front and center in the lobby. You know, every one of the people walking in see it, and we're mm-hmm. able to promote it. You know, throughout the whole Dallas Metroplex and also up and down the peninsula, in um, in the Bay Area at our other theaters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to to get both gamers and and general people, and and the whole idea was to innovate and to cause people another reason to come out into the theater and and to utilize. Existing space that we already had. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'll put it this way, David. I'm very optimistic about it, but also I still put it in the category of R&D. You okay. We got, we have one. We opened up another, and they've been successful. But I'm, we're kind of waiting until we see what happens in months seven through twelve. Because they're so unique and so innovative and people have never experienced anything like this, that you just got to say, am I going to get them coming back for more and more after the first six month newness wears off, right? And so that's why I'm not screaming it from a mountaintop of saying, you know, we're going to have 25 installations of these because we're just going to, we're going to take it in a very reasonable and well thought out way. Um, Mm -hmm. And also your point's well taken um it has to be in a theater environment at least it's what we believe um as opposed to putting an auditorium 18 down the hall at the very end Mm -hmm. i think it's Mm got to be front and center in the lobby and so you need a theater large enough to be able to you know carve out you know 2,000 or 2,500 square feet in order to be able to do this adventure
0: yeah i mean what you really need i mean i guess the thing that i you know i talked to a lot of folks who are in this this business and the standalone guys like an old disney hand you probably know bruce vaughn from uh sure. dreamscape sure uh you know he's they they opened their first permanent facility and they've got a few more coming in uh the, the, the century city mall the westfield mall across from where i used to work at mgm uh and and their whole thing is you've got to put it somewhere where discovery happens, where you have high traffic, where people can can come across because you literally can't do enough marketing. <laughs> you can't afford to do enough marketing as this thing is just getting going to make it pencil out. So you need to have people stumble over and go, oh, what's this? Oh, let's check it out. Well, let's do it. It's a great thing. And you get the word of, the word of mouth and all that. And I, it sounds like that's what you're trying to do by putting these in your big you know, marquee facilities and they can't miss it when they come in They go, Oh, I'll try that. And then yeah. that opportunity. So well, you need that, uh, you know,
1: the void, we were the first theater installation for the void and mm-hmm. they were at downtown Disney with, you know, yeah. thousands of people they were in they were in right. Madame Tussauds in Times Square. And then right. they were at Walt Disney world. And then they were in, in the big uh, downtown area of Toronto. So hmm. this was an experience. This is an experiment for them as well, yeah. And um, we've got a great relationship with those guys, and um, you know, again, we, we, we have a small equity interest in it, you know. Um, yep. And but we feel we feel like they've got a good content flow, and that's mm-hmm. what uh, we are expecting and hoping out of Spaces as well. That Spaces yeah. will will you know uh, continue to innovate with new content. Um, but we like, we like both groups. You know, it's interesting. I knew the guys from Spaces when I was at DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. They were kind of the skunk lab guys doing <laughs> innovative, uh, VR stuff for Katzenberg at DreamWorks Animation. Okay. And then of course, when DreamWorks was sold to, to Universal, that kind of all went away and they went off and right. started up Spaces on their own. And interesting. So,
0: you know, it's a relatively small world. Yes. Yes. Well, you you keep hearing uh, uh, Disney's name come up. I mean, the three titles you talked about at The Void are all Disney titles. Uh, Obviously, I'm sure you have a fond spot for the Mouse House uh, after all your years there and certainly lots of relationships. But you do touch on a really important thing about uh, content flow. You as an exhibitor, before that a distributor, were all about uh, new stuff on the screens every few weeks. That's a little harder to do at this stage of the VR business, I would think. And it is not to minimize or it's hard to compare it to like a two hour movie, but it it involves a whole lot of stuff, even for a 10 or 15 minute experience. So it's almost like, yeah, that's going to take you a year to roll that one out and roll out the next one, roll out the next one. Is that the big issue here is keeping it fresh? You know,
1: it's interesting because the largest shareholder of the Void is the Walt Disney Company. Mm-hmm. They're not a majority shareholder, but they're they're the largest single shareholder, mm-hmm. and the largest mm-hmm. uh, outside shareholder of spaces is Comcast Universal. All oh, right. So they both have they both have um, ownership uh, significant ownership with content owners, and yeah. this isn't a thing where you need a new one every week because you don't have the capacity to you know it's not like you know you you just it's not like you can run in. You know, thousands of people every day, I and mean, right. it's like you can't a can right. movie. So, right. but, but also, what's interesting about this is around Halloween time, when we had The Void, we were running um, Star Wars majority, but then right around Halloween, especially in the evenings, we ran uh, a proprietary piece of software that The Void developed called uh, Nicodemus. And it was like a haunted mansion, it's like a haunted mm-hmm. house. And it, it took us about Oh, about forty, forty-five minutes to trade out the software, so you mm. could do a downtime maybe at five o'clock or four thirty, right? Right. When it, and, and change out the software for the evening, and so um, the good thing about the void is is you can do that. The great thing about Spaces is we actually have two stages, so you mm. can have one stage doing you know more adult uh, something like Terminator, and then mm. in the future our hope is that we can have another stage uh one doing a more family oriented VR as well. So right. um,
0: because like minions or so, it, it could because it's universal it could be something like minions, right? I mean you could see well, like <laughs> a minions experience being pretty hot. From your lips to God's ear. But 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 no they've not committed <laughs> to it to my knowledge. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just this I just was like thinking, what does universal Oh yeah. Chris Melodondri yeah. may have a few ideas about what yeah. they could do with that, right? So so throughput's still an issue, but it does give you some more legs on in terms of uh how long something can stay in the space for a while or the void for a while uh, so that's interesting what's a win in this for you guys as you're doing your experiment what are you hoping to see in terms of engagement yeah. traffic and all that
1: well for us there's a couple things one is we've always positioned cinemark as trying to be the innovation leader so we, we like the fact of trying these, trying these new things and being out in front of stuff. So I think it's good for our brand. Yeah. Um, two, I think it's good for just movie going in general that theaters have got really modern ideas in them in the public's eye. You know, we, we've, we've been modernizing our theaters with, um, with all these luxury electric loungers. You know, yeah. we, we now have, we now have, uh, 55% of our theaters converted to luxury loungers. We've been mm. adding in expanded food. We've been adding in beer and wine and alcohol installations. So we're spending all this money to improve the theaters. This is just another way of doing it. Now, mm. from a financial standpoint, given that you're, you're writing for Forbes, you know, we want to we see a margin on this. And what we've always tried to accomplish is we've always said we, we're, we're looking for an ROI of at least 20%. So as we look back after we've been in doing this for a year, you know, we're going to be saying, you know, is it generating that threshold uh, 20% return on investment? Mm-hmm. And and if it's doing that and and we're still having good momentum on it, then we'll likely, you know, find other theaters to put it in.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, I guess the other question is, uh, you you chose. I mean, both Dallas, right down the street from you, uh, San Jose, and a place that's very tech, uh, welcoming, uh, big spaces mattered because you wanted to have it front and center. All of that makes me wonder, though, how do you choose beyond these two? Should you go on to another step, open it up a little bit more? Get in. I mean, do you have a limit? I guess in terms of the places where it makes sense, where you would could possibly go if it if it gets to that point.
1: Well, I'd say yes, and then one caveat. You know, there's mm-hmm. only so many big lobby theaters that we have. So, but yeah. you know, we've got quite a few of them. I mean, we've got a lot of a lot of theaters that have 20 plus theaters and a nice big lobby. Mm-hmm. So, what we did in Plano is we literally took out the box office. Okay. And 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 then we we replaced it with kiosks and people okay. buying online. So we, right. we took existing space and repurposed it. In San Jose, we did a similar type of thing. We we took out what was an old traditional uh, video game area. It, okay. we had the old traditional video games, we, we took that right. space and then we had a guest services space, which uh, we moved downstairs, so we repurposed existing space within the lobby to make it work. Okay. And and there there you know we've got a we've got a, enough theaters to where we can expand to do that. And then the real upside and I'm not I'm not certain about this is if it's wildly successful we could promote it in the lobby and we could put it in a smaller theater, um, a smaller mm-hmm. auditorium. But the economics of that then say well how much are you losing by losing an auditorium? Right now, right, right. we're converting non-revenue space into revenue space, right? And if we take right. an auditorium, then when we run our ROI, we've got to say, how much did we sacrifice by not having that be an auditorium? Right. And it's a
0: different, different equation. Very it's different a different equation, equation. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. I, I just sort of wonder… You know, to me, this makes sense for you guys. You've got traffic here. You're typically gonna be in malls or places where there's a lot of people coming through. They're already coming to have an experience. Clearly the whole effort to create 3D uh, was about creating a more immersive experience. IMAX is about a more immersive experience that wraps around you with that giant screen, better audio, better, better. you know, the Atmos stuff is all about an immersive experience. I mean, you guys are already trying to get there on more traditional two D spaces, right, or two D two D screens, and this is like that doing it from the other direction, coming back to, to try to connect with these audiences and create experiences that take people somewhere else. So in yeah. that way, I guess it makes sense for you, right?
1: You know, David you you brought up you brought up uh, you know large format screens. You know, w- we have more large format screens. We branded them X D. And, you know, these are large screens, you know, up to 70, 75 feet. They are completely immersive, wall-to-wall, and in most cases, floor-to-ceiling with, you know, with the that sound that wraps around you as you're talking about, and the speakers in the ceiling coming back down on you. So, you know, our whole XD brand is highly important to us because it's a premium format that consumers are willing to pay typically $3 extra to hmm. see uh, you know, the big adventure movie in. And it yeah, doesn't so mean that we don't have IMAXs, we have about 15 IMAXs as well, but right. we've developed our own proprietary uh, XD brand to have um, you know, the giant large screen format as well.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Um, and you don't have to pay them your uh, license fees and all that. That huge uh, immersive experience, again, it's about wrapping an experience around your audience and getting them, taking them somewhere else. And that one for three bucks more, again, comes back to how you puff up your revenue, how you get more money coming in, how you do a better job utilizing your space, or at least generating more revenue when you've got them there. What other things, I mean, at this era, what other things are you all doing uh, in the transformation? So better seats, these high, these, these XD effort, you know, Dab, Dabbling, is not fair, but experimenting with uh, uh, VR, experimenting with uh, the, the the esports. Um, what else can or are you all doing?
1: I would I would say that where we've really invested a lot of capital in the last three years has been um, completely redoing our theater lobby and auditoriums. And and I mentioned it earlier, you know uh mm-hmm. we have 55% of our auditoriums now uh reclined that's the highest mm-hmm. percentage of any of the major theaters so we've spent a lot of money doing that and then when we did that we also uh reinvigorated our entire theater lobby with uh a whole new way in terms of food so we have now 70% of our theaters with expanded food and and mm-hmm. and uh, close to 50% of our theaters offering, you know, the option of a beer or a glass of wine, or in some cases, you know, a mixed drink. So we've, we've tried to make the lobbies and the theaters just a completely different and more innovative, uh, experience for people. And then, mm-hmm. uh, I mentioned XD, you know, we have more, um, more of these, uh, large format screens than any other, uh, theater as well we've paid huge attention to our ability to have the highest light output for Mm -hmm. 3d in the industry.
0: That's Um, important. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so that, you know, you know, it's 3d works if you have enough light.
0: Right. you got to lamp the heck out of it, but yes, it does work. You do. And,
1: and then, and then, you know, uh, you know, high frame rates, you know, gosh, we have more than 90% of our, of our, uh, Auditoriums have have the capability for high frame rate if the content um, asks for it, um, or 4K resolution. The vast majority of our theaters also have 4K resolution with all of our with all of our projectors. So we've really tried to look at both the the sight, the sound, the comfort of people, and the ability to um, you know, offer the amenities at the concession stand. I mean, nowadays people want more than coke, popcorn, and and candy, and so it's everything from, you know, pizza, chicken, hamburgers, you know, on and on and on. So much so that we're we're actually opening our first full dine-in, order at the seat restaurant um, on March the seventh, called Cut C U T. Ice Cinemark. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be up in North Dallas in a town called Frisco. And uh, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, do you know where it is? And it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's it's just a great concept of, mm. um, of a restaurant and a theater combined. Right. Um,
0: right. And then I think yeah, I mean, another, see, another you're, thing we try you're to an do. LA, you're, you're an LA guy, so you know. You know this stuff. You know uh, the Arc Lights have had this. Uh, the Landmarks have had some of this. These sort of high-end, and and they're they're the the race cars of the business, but they also tend to be more the, not the big the big, broad interest films that are what we think about with a lot of the stuff. So you guys are adopting some of that and taking that to some of your opportunities and, and providing a broader mix of opportunities for fans to come in and have a, a different experience. It sounds like so that's really yeah, I, I
1: mean, what we're what we're doing is, like I said, in in gosh, it's sixty five percent of our theaters have expanded food, but this cut concept is one that we're really excited about. We're opening yeah, up yeah. the first. We're opening up the first one, uh, the first week in March. And then I should probably just mention as well. You know, in the last year and a half, we put um, mostly, mostly um, movie-based merchandise in every one of our theaters. We tested it out in a half a dozen, then we went to fifteen and twenty, and now we've got merchandise tied to whatever you know the big movie is that's coming out in every one of our theaters. So we're we've kind of a you know approaching our our theater lobbies as a retail environment. And kind of as as evidence of that, about a year ago, we recruited in a brand new chief marketing officer, and she happened to come from Neiman Marcus.
0: Mm. And
1: so she spent seven or eight years as the CMO at Neiman Marcus. But, you know, we've really adapted. And then we've hired a number of people in from the restaurant industry as well. So that, you know, we realize that we have theaters, but these theaters have um, uh, a lot more Ability to do other things other than just, uh, movies. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, we, we try and tie our merchandise and we try and tie our food and beverage offerings into the movies that are being promoted. So it, it really helps the movies as well. It's almost like cross promotion for the movies. Yeah, right, right, right. How
0: many screens do you guys have?
1: Around the world, we have just over 6,000 screens. Because we we operate in 15 Latin America countries as well. We we have the largest market share south of Mexico in Brazil and Argentina, Chile, Colombia. You know, basically every country south of Mexico, with the exception of Venezuela.
0: How many of those are U.S. like 4,000, something like that?
1: U.S. is about 4,500, and international is about 1,500 of those 6,000. We're in 41 states across the U.S. If I had to say, you know, where are we the strongest, it's uh, Texas, all the western states, California, Oregon, Washington, uh, and then strong and, you know, up in the Great Lakes and in the Ohio region in kind of the mid-Atlantic north. Where I would say we're, a, we're a, a circuit of theaters really more suburban oriented, you know, where we're not is We're not in New York City, and we're not in D.C. or Boston proper, but, you know, strong in L.A., very strong in Sacramento, San Francisco, up and down the, you know, obviously strong throughout Texas and Utah. So I said, again, 40, 41 of the 50 states.
0: So that makes you overall second or third largest?
1: We're the third, were the third largest domestic exhibitor. Yeah. Yeah largest exhibitor in Central and South
0: America is there a plan to roll out some of these these uh, things in Latin America? There certainly is some money in uh, many of those countries that would be open to it. There's some big film going traditions what What's yeah. the plan on that international side, and how does that play into things like the VR? well we've done we've
1: done all the theater i mean we have a lot of what we call vip theaters in latin america where they have got a lot of expanded food reclined seats and it's a little different yeah. concept there they, they they literally almost you know we tried to keep the ticket prices uh, moderate so you can get the middle class to go and yeah. the vip ones are are, are significantly more costly um, we haven't, we haven't put the thinking cap on yet to VR. I mean, I think we're going to, we're going to test it here a little bit before we go. The theaters tend right. not to be as big in terms of their lobbies. All right. the theaters in Latin America are inside a mall. So you don't have the big, expansive lobbies like you can get here. So mm-hmm. at, this, at this point, there's no immediate plan to, to roll out VR. However, right. Right. it doesn't mean that we won't do it either, especially after we've tested it here.
0: So you've you've been at it for several months with the void uh, a week for the for spaces what about a year in you, you figure before you'll do an assessment on ROI and all that yeah I think
1: so I think it's going to be somewhere you know we want we want the void to be you know up and see what see what happens in the second half of the year and yeah. and uh, and I think spaces obviously we've been doing it for a week um, look yeah. I, I, I am I am very optimistic about how these are doing but we're also just going to be you know, we're going to be really careful in not setting up the marketplace, especially institutional investors, that this is going to be, you know, the next great big thing before we're,
0: right. before we really have the data to show it. Sure, sure. I mean, we've heard a lot of stuff out of Dave and Buster's, for instance. Their uh, Jurassic Park ride was a huge success for them uh, enough that they were going to invest and expand significantly. Their proprietary four-person ride setup but you're 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 going to go carefully on this. Uh do you see though that if this works out this can be I mean I guess it's just too too, too soon to tell if this is going to be a big opportunity for you guys or not, I guess. You
1: know, it really is, David. I it's it's just it's just a little early to say and I yeah. and uh, and I I'm just I'm just careful here because I've seen others make the mistake of of uh counting something before it's fully baked. And yeah. oh, look, we're doing the same thing with cut. We think cut we're very optimistic about this whole concept we have of of full in But, you know, we're 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 gonna walk before we run. And yeah. one thing the one thing that Cinemark has done for the marketplace and we've tried to done is we've been very consistent in our results. We're we've got a really strong balance sheet, you know, we've raised the dividend in each of the last three years. It's gone up twenty eight percent cumulatively in the last three years. Uh we are consistently had the highest EBITDA margin uh, in the business so we run it with a level of stability and and consistency as opposed to you know uh, overpromising and under delivering would would rather we would rather be you know realistic in our estimates and then deliver on those on those expectations
0: so That's our Oscar Day episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Cinemark's CEO, Mark Zarate, about all the areas they're pushing into. It's such a complicated time for Hollywood in general, and the exhibitors like Cinemark in particular, as our viewing habits evolve and shift. Some of what the company is experimenting with is absolutely vital to their long-term survival. Though it's not guaranteed that esports, VR, electric loungers, bigger screens, and better food will be enough to pry people away from their mobile phones, YouTube, Instagram, and Netflix on a 65-inch screen in the comfort of their own homes. At least we'll have plenty of great stuff to watch and more ways and places to watch it. So, anyway, that's my show. This is David Bloom for Bloom Tech over the You've been listening to Bloom and Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.